stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, Talking with you today about a topic that has just recently burst onto the news scene and um, is really um, something that people haven't thought that much about but obviously need to. And certainly I have come across this issue in my practice um, time and time again and, uh, and um, also in people that I had e- interviewed for my book, Bad Girls, so it's certainly, um, I certainly see that, uh, that we do need to be paying more attention to it. And the, what we're going to be talking about is sibling abuse. Uh, when the bullying starts at home, you know, we've, we've been hearing a lot in the last few years especially about bullying at school and cyberbullying and all kinds of bullying except for sibling bullying. And the, when the bully is a sibling, uh, that can be just as bad, in some cases even worse, than, um, skip, than bullying on the playground because sometimes you see the bully on the playground only once a week when you see the bully at home every day. And you may even be sharing a bedroom with the bully sibling. So my guest today is Nancy Kilgore. She has uh, come out with a new memoir called Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. Nancy has her master's degree from the University of Oregon. She's um, also an author on domestic violence and uh, has written um, other books as well, particularly on domestic violence, uh, women, women being battered and so on. And this, however, is her own true story, which she is revealing um, <laughs> at the risk of and having actually experienced, which she'll talk about too, um, obviously a lot of anger from her family for revealing the things that went on inside her home. And um, she has very, it's been very difficult for her to write this book and relive her childhood and, and incur the wrath of her family. But, um, but her, her higher purpose is to help other uh, sibling victims and to help parents um, learn what might be going on under their own roof, how to recognize it, and what to do about it so that more uh, siblings don't get to be as abused as she was. So, Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and I love what you have uh, stated about... Uh, in, in uh, relationship to adult sibling abuse survivors, there's 
40 million of us in our culture, and many of us don't tell our stories, and those who have come forward and connected with me on Twitter and Facebook and different um, ways that they've connected are just um, floored that I would put this out there and that there would be someone that they could commiserate with and feel that I would know what they've gone through. Yes, it's a very, it's, it's been a taboo topic, actually. Um, one, of the, one of the first questions um, is, where, where does this title come from? What does Girl in the Water mean? Well, Girl in the Water um, refers to uh, a little girl that reminds me of myself as a child. And as I was writing, it was as if she was coming out of the water and saying, basically, to me with every passage that I wrote, please do something about this. Please tell someone. And so it's a girl in the water, and I talk about her at different points in the the book, As and she helps me to write the book. I don't think I could have written this book without this imaginary character coming through the different passages. Hmm. That's very interesting. Okay. Um, well, what I'd like you to do is to um, talk about some of the highlights of your story and, um, you know, how this all started and what your family, uh, who comprised your family and how your family evolved. And, and um, I know you were four girls at one point. Um, I mean, became a family of four girls. And, of course, of course, sibling rivalry, I mean, that's the thing. The reason why this topic hasn't gotten the attention it should have gotten before this um, is because we've come to accept sibling rivalry to, to, as normal and not make the distinction between simple, the, the, the normal kind of, there is a normal, um, there's normal, psycholo- normal, so to speak, psychological reasons for sibling rivalry, and we haven't really made the distinction between that and sibling abuse. And sibling rivalry, let me just um, say this in the beginning, that the, the reason why sibling rivalry is a normal phenomenon or something that happens in every family, uh, where there is more than one child, is that what typically happens is that the older sibling um, b- becomes jealous of the next sibling in line. So, um, you know, it's, it's one after the other after the other. So uh, if you're the youngest, for example, in the family, and uh, then um, your parents have another child, this new little baby gets fawned over, and all the attention goes to the new little baby, and the other sibling or siblings... Uh, older siblings get have to share their parents more. You know, in other words, they get they inevitably uh, get less attention and less love, and um, because it has to be shared amongst one more person, and and then another person, and then another person, child, and um, and so so there's it's, it's normal to be jealous of that. However, what's not normal is some of the things that children do to each other, that siblings do to each other, and how cruel siblings can be. And, um, and that's where, the, you know, the line has to be drawn um, when it's just sibling rivalry and when it's actual physical, sexual, and or emotional abuse. So, Nancy, why don't you take us through your story? Well, I first of all want to uh, comment on what you just said. Uh, abuse is different than rivalry. There's a victim and an abuser, and the victim is unwilling 
there's you there's always emotional abuse there's tears um and so there's a distinction between that and rivalry we're very competitive species um Basically, my abuse started when I was four years old. We were in uh, Italy. We were a Navy family, and my mother had her third pregnancy, and then she became pregnant almost immediately after she gave birth to her third child. And at that particular pocket of time, I was uh, put in the care of my oldest sister, which is approximately a 1,000 days older than I am. And that's one of the things that I relate to parents don't put older children in, in the care of younger children. Um, but that's what happened. And so you were four and she was seven? Yes. Okay. And, um, and how old were the other, was the other child? Just born. Uh, oh, that was the third one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So and then, and then the fourth just, one was right after that. She was okay. Just born, and my mother immediately got pregnant with the next one. And okay. I didn't. My sister had a lot of access to me, and it was I was under her government. My mother was not really supervising us, and so um, I had some pretty scary situations when my sister gave me a bath. I, I know that I was pushed under the water for long periods of time, and. Just different things. She was um, very upset with me as far as tying my shoelaces and just uh, some awful things that were done with my fingernails and little implements that were around the house. Uh, Where I got the greatest um, amount of of, uh, trauma from sibling abuse happened primarily at 10 and 10 was when my mother was uh, basically a single mom at that time with my father in Japan or India or God knows where. Um, she went grocery shopping, and I we were four little girls locked in a house, and uh, my sister was in charge of all of us. And I was held down and tortured, and uh, a pillow came over my face, and... I do feel that I uh, went out or I didn't have a whole lot of oxygen. I remember waking up with my sister basically resuscitating me. So, uh, uh, well, um, well, wait, going back, though, to when you were four, mm-hmm. um, well, for, first of all, what, okay, so you were four and she was seven, and that's when, and, and if you could go into a little more details, you don't have to be, you don't have to tiptoe <laughs> around them. Um, you know, what, what did you do? Why did you start, um, well, first of all, the, of course, the question that kind of comes to my mind, um, is no, no child, I'm not just talking about your family, but no child, no sibling, um, becomes cruel, whether it's to their sibling or to a kid at school, um, without their having been a victim um, or they're having psychological problems of one sort or another. They're having been abused. Something, uh, you know, it's not normal for a child to be that cruel. Uh, something has had to have happened to them. So what do you think, Going starting from the beginning, what do you think when Sherry was seven, uh, that's, that was your sister, I did, when she was seven, um, what had happened to her by that point that she started abusing you when you were four? 
I think that my sister was given a whole bunch of attention at the beginning of her life Mm. and felt very usurped. And the studies um, relate in the abusive children that do this that they're not psychotic, they're not... um, they're not real mentally ill. It's just that they feel usurped, and we really don't understand. Uh, researchers really don't understand what jealousy is. I looked an awful lot like my father. I'm I'm Welsh Irish, and I think there's something to be said about uh, looking like your parents. My my sister looks like she's from Iraq, and I look like I'm from. Wales or England, and uh, I think I got a lot of attention for having the characteristics, the physical characteristics of what my parents looked like, especially my father. Mm, That's very interesting. All right, we need to take a break already. The first, (laughs) this is uh, the first break, but we're going to be coming back with more with Nancy Kilgore. She's the author of Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. Um, I don't want to. You're leaving us on a cliffhanger, and we'll all stay tuned in. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll free right now 1 866 472 5787. And ask our all star team to answer your question. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about when the bully is a sibling with Nancy Kilgore, who's written the uh, newly released book called Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. Um, in time for a study that just came out uh, talking about how prevalent and uh, destructive sibling abuse can be um, and how it can be just as harmful physically and certainly psychologically as, um, as the, of the bullying that we are paying attention to, which is primarily peer bullying. 
So before the break, um, Nancy, you were talking about, I, well, I was asking you about uh, why, what was Sherry's motivation. And, of course, you know, that's, as I was talking about at the beginning of the show, that, that the, uh, the key thing is feeling usurped, you know, feeling uh, that the, there's another little child who's now gonna, who you're now going to have to share mommy and daddy's love and attention with. Um, and that was interesting, what you were saying about how, um, she, she was looked like she came from a different family, and um, you were kind of—I think you were trying to be what uh, modest, but I, what you were—what I think you were saying was um, that you were a lot prettier than your sister and got more attention for that. You are so psychic. You are exactly <laughs> correct. I am. I do think that I got a lot of attention for being prettier. Uh, I have a mixture of French in my background too, and. She looks French, Iraq, or she has darker skin, and I have light skin, and yeah. She yeah. said so she just didn't. So you not only were you replacing her, but it seemed like you were the real part of the family, and she looked so different. That's right, and she was always fatter, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know that was a that was a part of it. She was bigger. I was more feminine looking, very tiny structure. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think? Did you ever? Well, I'm sure you. I was going to say, did you ever think about it? I'm sure you thought about it. What do you think about the idea of, of the possibility that she was abused by someone? You know, um, as I've gone through time, I've, I've gone over this. I've interviewed my mom. Um, I, I, we just, I cannot see any abuse at all. I just know that my mother gave her an awful lot of attention. It was her firstborn. And my mother was basically creating what's called a family of redemption. She was making up for a life in the Depression, and she wanted um, this family. And I think she gave a lot of attention to her firstborn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so during those years, from 4 to 10, the, the abuse escalated. Can you tell us about that? It did escalate from 4 to 10. Between 4 and 10, I I was set up with different games that she would play in the house. And there again, I didn't know where my mother was. She was always taking care of some child or or God knows what. And um, I remember uh, losing two toenails uh, in uh, a particular pocket of time because of how my sister slammed the door on my foot as I was coming through sort of a dark hallway trying to locate where she was. We were playing a game of hide-and-go-seek, and uh, I think she knew exactly how to maneuver the door so that my feet would be caught. And then you started to talk about how the worst um, abuse up till then was it ten when she when your mother was not in the house, no one was in the house and and your sister Sherry was supposed to be taking care of the three younger sisters and um and she put a pillow over your head mm-hmm. I was tortured also with my father's tools, needles were put up my fingernails um, I was also incested at that particular time, and what's interesting of is that at 10, this happened to me, and I didn't remember it until I was 38. For 28 years, I didn't remember. The sibling incest. I didn't remember anything that she had done to me while 
um, my mother went grocery shopping. I repressed it all. Well, what what did happen? Uh, in in remembering it, yes. I mean, I, I went to a do? particular. Uh, no, no, I mean, what did your sister do to me that day? Yes, I was I was incested, and I had uh, tools that were utilized to with pliers, twisting my ears and. Uh, marbles put up my nose and uh, tape put over my mouth and one particular pocket. At, uh, this happened a couple of occasions where my mother went to the grocery store. I was tied around a pole in the backyard with uh, tape over my mouth and tape over my nose and my eyelashes were taped to my um, eyelids and I stared at the sun. Yes, you. Um, that no, you you've described that in the book. And um, how long were you left looking at the sun? I'd say a good couple of hours, probably so, over two. So how did you? I mean, were your eyes damaged? I don't really remember. I I do. I have to wear glasses now. I remember that particular incident. Well, now during this time, up to where we are so far, which is ten, approximately. Um, why? Of course, the question is, why didn't you tell anybody? Um, thank you. Uh, prior to that time. I learned that my mother did not want to deal with any conflict in our house. We were supposed to be happy little girls. She didn't know how to deal with the competition that is between siblings. We were just basically, her mandate was to get along. And when my sister would do cruel things like putting my doll down the toilet or whatever or cutting off uh, my hair or whatever, um, I learned after a while that my mother wouldn't listen to me. She just um, believed, she just believed my older sister would do no harm to me. So when you, but did you try to tell your mother about any of these things? Oh, yes, many, many times. And then it just got to the point where it was just a waste of oxygen. To So then your sister would say, no, she's lying? Right, hmm. and I would be disputed, and I was told that I was just a real sensitive little girl. Hmm. That you were overreacting. Overreacting, uh-huh. Well, what about, how many times did your sister do um, sexually abuse you? It was within a particular pocket around 10. And did you tell anyone about that? I I actually did not put that together until probably six years ago. I see. You mean at the time you didn't, okay, didn't realize exactly what that was. And six years ago when I was brushing my teeth, I went, ooh, what was that? (laughs) You know, that's taboo to think that your sister would incest you. It's not... It's more prevalent that an older brother would incest a younger sister. Right. The incidence of incest between two sisters is not that prevalent. Well, let's 
go backwards a little bit and talk about your parents. Um, what kind of relationship did they have? I think they basically were very happy, um, very supportive of each other. I, I had, I, I do, when I look back, I, I see both of them in their own ways um, feeling like uh, their life wasn't exactly actualized or wonderful. My mother's whole life was her children. My father's whole life was the military. He was in the Navy. And, uh, yeah. Well, you wrote at the beginning, though, that um, that you didn't think your mother was in love with your father. No, I don't think that they were in love. I think it was a marriage of convenience. My father was getting older, and in those days, uh, his age, I believe he was 28, it was time to get married. And she was 23, and she had just um, gotten kicked out of uh, a boarding situation with her um, uh, brother and his wife. And in the 40s, it was unheard of to have a, a, a young woman live by herself. Mm-hmm. My father found out about this, and he said, well, why don't we just get married? Mm-hmm. And they did. So um, what about, did Sherry ever uh, abuse the two younger sisters? You know, I've been asked that before, and I, I really don't think that she did. She seemed to... Um, have a lot of um, attention towards me, and I, I truly feel that um, I, I took her place in the family. Mm-hmm. And what about, okay, so we've gone up to 10 years old. What happened subsequent to that? Subsequent? I mean, was there any abuse after 10? Oh, I basically uh, stayed in a bedroom with my sister for 18 years. Oh, my goodness. 18 years. We were always roommates. I always asked, could I please get out of this bedroom, and I wasn't allowed. The emotional abuse uh, was more prevalent from, let's say, 10 to 18, and I was deprecated, humiliated. Um, It was very, very difficult for me to feel that I could succeed at anything, and um, she was always cutting me down. I was a speaker. I was a tra- I'm a trained speaker. I had a coach. I was Valley Victorian. I was, it's just amazed me when I look back and how um, I was looked upon basically and, and many times, even before 10, uh, it was inferred that I wasn't even genetically a human being. And she used to make you say things to ask permission to come into the bedroom. Tell us about that. Well, when we lived in Midway, I had to have a, a certain way of saying things or a certain tone, and I had to say the sentences in right order. And if I didn't, I, I was not allowed in my bedroom. Well, tell us what those sentences were. Oh, they they could be something like, I'm stupid, um, I'm, and you are... And, really smart, and I'm ugly, and I I would have to say really deprecating things to myself or to her in order to uh, get entrance into our bedroom. One particular time when I came into the bedroom, she had shuffled all of the furniture. Um, My bed was completely um, taken apart. Um, 
my clothes were all taken off, all the hangers, everything, and it was just uh, it was just a shock to see what she had done to the bedroom and what she believed how I would be living in the bedroom. Well, now, certainly your parents had to have seen that and realized that you didn't do that. So what happened then? It's amazing. My mother and I have commiserated about this uh, through time, and she said, I didn't even go in your bedroom. Huh. So. Huh. That's strange. Well, who cleaned the bedroom? We did. Hmm. My mother had her hands full at that time, too. You mean because there were four of you? Oh, there were four of us, and she was a Navy wife, and uh, we had a, uh, um, our bedroom was upstairs, and the family lived downstairs. My sister and I lived upstairs. Hmm. Well, what about, I know, I, I would imagine some of my listeners are thinking now, okay, so you had to share this room till you were 18, and... Um, when you were younger, it's uh, it's understandable that you know your sister threatened you not to tell and that kind of thing, and your mother didn't believe you. But when after ten or twelve, when you're going to school, did you ever try to tell uh, a teacher or the police or somebody? No, at that time in America, the there was a great deal. The American family was a closed situation. You didn't tell anybody anything that was happening in your family, and in a lot of ways, that's still prevalent today. The Getting this movement off the ground as far as sibling abuse is going to be like having a root canal. Mm-hmm. Not easy. I, I've noticed last week we had a lot of attention about sibling abuse, and then it's just real quiet this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, in the 70s, we had battered women, and that was difficult to get past that front door and to, you know and to understand what was happening in the dynamic of uh, domestic violence and battered women. We have four million battered women. We have nineteen million children that are getting it. Hmm. It's going to be this is going to be a harder walk in in bringing up awareness than uh, battered women. Well, yes, of course, um, there's a lot at, store, at stake to not, um, I mean, people who are victims are, are for either they're threatened or they're embarrassed or humiliated or whatever, and, and it's hard for them to speak out. And then, of course, this, the sibling who's being the bully doesn't want to speak out, and the parents don't want to admit that this, is, that this has gone to, further than just sibling rivalry in their home. Um, what, are your parents still together? My father died in um, 1972. He died at 53. My mother's 89. I no longer know my mother. I've lost over 45 relatives because of this. You mean because of writing the book? No, because I'm I'm a part of something called shunning. And uh, at 38, I had recollection of what happened. And my mother went to all my sisters and said, did you? Did she really do this? And I was disputed, basically. One sister said, I, I remember. And um, so uh, families don't want to deal with this secret. And so it was just always very uncomfortable to come into settings with my family and 
Uh, shunning is, uh, I think, one of the worst punishments a human being can ever have. Well, are you saying, you mean that that's, wait, that your family, um, all the relatives got together and and decided to shun you? Is that what you're saying? It was pretty progressive over time. What accelerated was five years ago um, when I came into California, I was sitting and reading a chapter from my book. The book was just basically a dream at that time. I I, I hoped it would be a book. I I didn't know what it was going to be, and I started reading, and my mother said to me, would you consent to a lie detector test? And I went through a lie detector test, and I truly felt that there were going to be real positive results, that my family was going to enfold me, and the results were that I was always telling the truth, and my sister basically went to all my family members and disputed the test results and said that I would know how to throw it. And uh, she was, like, going from one little workshop, mini workshop, after another with all of my relatives. And um, it was always... What do you mean, workshops? She was basically coming with handouts about how I would know how to throw the test and that um, I was a great liar and, and all of this stuff. Hmm. But there was the one sister, which one was that, the youngest or the next to the youngest, who said that she remembered something? It was the the baby sister. And what did she say that she remembered? She said, I remember that we held uh, Nancy down. And I remember that she wasn't really nice to Nancy. And I think what should be stated in, in all of this is that the little children that are the bystanders that see this, mm-hmm. the repercussions to them are just vast because my baby sister has huge anxiety attacks now. And the other one um, is really um, depressed and very detached and uh, almost has no emotions at all. I, I don't know them anymore, but... What I did know of them at one particular time, that's what I noticed. Well, what has become of them? What, what, um, what has, has, has happened to Sherry? What does she do for work, and is she married, and does she have children? She lives in Vallejo, California. She's married, um, and she has two children. And one of her children said that I could come back into the family if I would say that I've been lying all along. Huh. Wow. I've also been told that I could go through um, a lawsuit if I ever said her name. Oh. <laughs> you mean that if um, if you ever if you ever well if you ever told her name mm-hmm. that they would that they would sue you. Yes, well, well, has anything happened now that the book just came out? Well, um, what's been happening is the uh, PR people uh, through the book company uh, just got picked up by Dr. Phil in the Today Show, but they were only interested if my sister would come on. Mm. So we're not believed, the, per- the person who is saying this. We're not believed. Mm-hmm. We have to have our abuser come on at the same time. Hmm, well, that's unfortunate. Uh, 
So I do a lot of radio right now, and uh-huh. I, I look forward to the day when somebody takes a chance and gets me on television. Uh-huh. Well, we need to take another break now. My guest is Nancy Kilgore. Her book is called Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. We're just, of course, able to hit some of the highlights, but the book itself is very intimate and very detailed, of course, uh, telling her story. So, um, so you know, we will tell you at the end of the show where you can get it. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, talking with you today about sibling abuse trauma when the bully is a sibling, not just uh, some somebody at, at from school or on the playground, but bullying at home, especially according to a new study, um, is just as harmful, if not more harmful, than uh, than some bully who's you know a classmate or some or, or a peer of some sort. Um, there is physical, sexual, and emotional abuse going on amongst siblings. Um, and there needs to be, and of course this is what my guest Nancy Kilgore is trying to make happen, there needs to be more attention paid by parents to what is really going on and um, not to just dismiss everything as the normal um, part of psychological development, which we call sibling rivalry. That is a normal part of, sibling rivalry is a normal part of growing up, um, but it can and, and often does cross the line. And becomes more than just uh, uh, jealousy of, of being usurped 
by and the new child born into the family, but become something else. And, and as Nancy was talking about earlier, um, you know, part of the reason not only was her sister, her older sister, upset because um, Nancy came along and did usurp her uh, as being the next born, but also, um, but also uh, Nancy was prettier. And and I'm taking. I'm wondering if you were talking about being the valedictorian. I'm wondering if you were also considered the smartest one of the four girls. I think I was. <laughs> so you know, when when things, um, it's kind of interesting though because because you manage to overcome. I mean, it is when when you have these difficulties at home um, through the sibling abuse, being abused by your older sister. Um, it is amazing that you were able to concentrate and um, do well in school despite that. It was everything to me. My grades were my self-esteem. I had no internal uh, sense of self. It, I had to accomplish, and uh, so grades meant everything to me. It is a wonder that I got through school. I'm so sure that I had... PTSD from the very early developmental stages of my life. Yes, from the beginning of her abusing you. Um, you know, what's, what's particularly interesting, when there is more than one child or sibling who is a girl, when there is, when there is more than one girl child in the family, um, typically, that regardless of whether there's abuse or um, typically, just in general terms, in normal developmental terms, um, just like the, a little girl goes through an edible phase where she wants to marry her daddy and, and get rid of her mommy, um, when there is more than one daughter in the family, mm-hmm. there is typically rivalry for the father's love and attention in particular. And um, where now in your family, you had sort of a unique situation in that your father wasn't there very much because he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. So how did that play out? The rivalry, not just for parents' love and attention in general, but for your father's. I think my my sister was always trying to get my mother's attention, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that was always uh, pretty much of a dynamic between us. And well, who do you think was your father's favorite? Me. And who who was your mother's favorite, Sherry? I believe that's true. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, so I guess maybe that was another reason why she was jealous of you because she realized at some point you were your father's favorite. I got sick. Um, we lived on a little island called Midway, and I got very, very sick after an appendix operation. It didn't heal correctly, and my mother gave me a lot of attention, and so everything sort of snowballed when we came back to the mainland. And well, how old were you then? Ten. Uh huh. That's when it got worse at ten. Right, ten. Yeah. So what? Um, so you were. I was asking you about what has become of these uh, siblings. Um, so Sherry, what does Sherry do? Sherry is a housewife. Oh, she doesn't. She doesn't work. No. No. Okay. And you were saying she's married and basically, has two children. Basically, her and her husband get inheritances from different people, and they live like that. And um, my other sister is a housewife as well. She has two children. And my other sister is a state worker, and she lives in the same town with me. 
and I believe she has the worst anxiety attacks. After, basically, my two younger sisters were utilized to pin me down my arms and my legs to so that I would be tortured. Hmm. And um, and and I had asked you if if you thought that um, Sherry had um, abused them as well. Uh, well, obviously she did abuse them by making them take part in abusing you. Mm-hmm. That was the extent of the abuse. I I never saw her go after them. Mm-hmm. They were just utilized uh, in in the torture process that I went through. And so you were starting to say about how um, you your family had you take a lie detector test, and even after that they didn't believe you and they still shunned you. And what has happened now um, since this book has come out? Have you have you heard from them? Well, after the lie detector test, I want to say that for the first time in, in many, many years, from 38 to 58, I actually got to know my mom. I got to know my mom for two years, and it was just glorious. <laughs> At the same time, she did not want to know my older sister. Um, she was just repulsed by that my sister would have done this. My mother encouraged me to write the book, she oh, was. so wait a minute. So at some point she did believe you. You mean after the lie detector test, your mother did believe you? It took until 58 for my mother to believe me. And the lie detector test cost $500. And the man that administered it said to her, you had the wrong daughter in here. Hmm. This daughter is going to have repercussions from having you disputed this all these years. Hmm. And I, I do, I do have some adjustment issues with the fact that I was not believed. Yes, it, of course. They took $500 in a test. Yes, yes. And the man, the poly- polygrapher, I think that's the way you pronounce it, he was somewhat upset with my mother that he, uh, I was never believed. So you mean, okay, let me make sure I understand. So you mean you took the test when you were 38? No, 58. You took the test when you were 58? Mm-hmm. And it took from 50, it took, and that's when your mother started believing you. Right. My, that's right. And then a process happened where my sister went to all of the family members disputing these yes. results. And um, so the shunning process got really accelerated, and um, it just continued. And at one point I was in uh, where I live now, Sacramento, and I was just about to go and take care of my mom. I, was, I was basically was caretaking her. I was kind of like on the highway in between cities. And I always had my car loaded up to help her, to be the good daughter. And uh, just something happened with a phone call with my sister. And I was put in a position where I had to be very defensive and, and stand up for myself. And I was told... If you tell the whole family that you've been lying the whole time, we will let you come back into the family. And I I think that they really put a lot of pressure on my mother. Um, I've never seen my mother again. I've never seen my mother. I'm having having trouble understanding this. When you're 63 now, so five years ago at 58 years old, mm-hmm. um, that's when your mo- you had the test, and that's when your mother started to believe you. And then your sister went through this process of um, going one by one to the family members and telling them that you were a liar and that you faked the test. And um, 
And okay, and then when and then when did this thing happen where then you I, I don't understand why were you not able to why did you stop talking to your mother or your mother stopped talking to you? Well, there a lot of sibling of uh, uh, survivors come forward and they tell me the same thing, which is great. There is uh, the abuser oftentimes is kind of like the mafia dawn in the family and has a lot of influence. Yes. And she had a lot of influence over my mother at that particular time. My mother's now 89. and uh, So she was 84 yes. at the time. And you were taking care of your mother. And w- was your sister taking care of her too? No. No, I was basically in charge, and I would do anything for my mother. And on one particular day, one of my sisters called up and basically uh, put me in a very defensive position, and she said, "Um, don't you know that we're all ashamed of you, and if you just please tell everybody you've always been lying, we will allow you back in the family. And I, I said, I've never been lying. I've never been lying, and um, I've... And what did that have to do with your mother? I don't understand. How did that then... It it has taken me a couple of years to put this together, but I I can only conjecture that a lot of pressure was applied to my mother, that she would have more benefits or a better uh, rest of the years that she had left if she would let me go. If she shunned you as well. Yes. So at that time, they, particularly your older sister, um, I guess she didn't like the fact that you were the one taking care of your mother. Now, now, you know, that was putting you in the favored position again. Right. And um, and so they told your mother to shun you, and she did. Mm-hmm. That's what I can, I can piece together. And so I've, then I've called my mother uh, probably three times after this incident, and she's hung up on me. Huh. And so that that sounds very painful. So who's taking care of your mother now? My sister. Which sister? The older sister? My abuser. And you all lived within enough. You all lived close enough to where she could take over for you. Mm-hmm. I live fifty miles away from my mother. My sister lives one block away from my mother, or maybe two. But at that time, you were the one taking care of your mother. Right. Hmm. My mother was totally disgusted at what my sister had done to me. But my, then mother, my mother actually prepared the questions for the polygrapher. Uh-huh. But then your sister managed to somehow convince your mother to, to shun you. Um, my mother has, I understand, uh, Alzheimer's now. Ah, yeah. And I would say that she's easily manipulated. Uh-huh. Huh. But why wasn't your older sister taking, helping to take care of her at the same time that you were, if she lived so close? My mother did not want to have anything to do with her after she found out the results. I see, I see. And then your sister somehow twisted it around, turned it around and got her to be her favorite again. Mm-hmm. I see. Wow, that's really sad. Okay, so to go back to my question about the book, um, what has there, the book you were telling me um, before we got on the air, I think that it came out in April. 
So what has been the repercussions in terms of your family since then? I have um, an estranged situation as well with my only son, and my son has told me that my mother is very upset about the book. It's right beside her at all times, and she has basically um, disputed everything I said in the book, although at one time she said, please write the book. So I, I can't take this pocket of time or that feedback personally. My mother has Alzheimer's. So, yes, and I didn't ask, so you you were married. You are married or were married? I were. I was. I'm, I'm single now. Uh-huh. So you're divorced? Mm-hmm. And ha- what happened to estrange your son? My son basically is colluded with my family, hmm. and he is in a relationship with a young woman who does not want him to have a mother. And that happens to a lot of adult sibling abuse survivors. We have very problematic relationships with our children because we were basically children raising them, mm-hmm. and they had to parent us. Mm-hmm. And so he attracted a, a woman who is pretty controlling. I've only seen her maybe five times in 12 years. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, of course. I mean, I guess you're an example of, of the fallout of sibling abuse in terms of that making it so much harder to have uh, healthy relationships when you grow up, I mean, with, with, um, with men, with husbands, or with children. Well, the fallout from sibling abuse is, is vast. The m- great majority of us have PTSD mm-hmm. because the beginning... Um, neurological structure in our brains was basically altered through the abuse. Uh, The imprints of the abuse and the cognition stayed with us for a long time. I'm fortunate that I had a particular type of therapy that I'm sure you're aware of. It's called EMDR. Yes. Eye movement desensitization. And reprocessing. Yes. Yes, which can be very successful for uh, PTSD. Well, I just heard the music. We do need to take another break. My guest is Nancy Kilgore. Her, her book is called Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, talking with Nancy Kilgore, who's the author of Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. We've been talking today about sibling abuse trauma when the bully is a sibling. And I must say, I got so involved in your story, Nancy, that I lost track of time. <laughs> so let's just, we do need to wrap this up, and let's just tell people where they can get the book. They can get the book at um, Amazon, and they can also get it at hci.com. And presumably wherever, in, st- in stores like Barnes & Noble, wherever books oh, are sold. Oh, yes, I understand. It's in, in many stores. Well, I would definitely recommend this. Um, you know, we've just touched on some of the highlights today, but this is a problem that uh, needs to be taken out of the closet in American homes and, uh, and explored so that parents can understand the difference between sibling rivalry and sibling abuse. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Nancy. Again, uh, my guest is Nancy Kilgore, and her book is called Girl in the Water, A True Story of Sibling Abuse. So thank you, Nancy, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.